Welcome to Founders Stories, where we interview founders at Inventi about their backgrounds, how they ended up at Inventi, and what they explored while they were here, and ultimately, what ventures they have built. I'm Maria Gibbs. And I'm Dustin Mix, and we're the co-founders of Inventi, a startup generator in South Bend, Indiana. Welcome to episode five of the Inventi Cohort 2 podcast. Dustin and I are here with Christy Wickwire. Hello. Hello. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Maria. <laughs> uh, maybe we can start if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at Inventi. Sure. I'm originally from Athens, Georgia. Um, I moved to St. Louis, Missouri to go to school for art and writing. Um, and I've been living in St. Louis for the last nine years before coming to Invanti. Um, and I was working in uh, entrepreneurship centers. Uh, I was working at the university in the entrepreneurship center and had a couple of my own personal uh, passion projects that I worked on, um, in, mostly in publishing, in arts um, publishing. Yeah, one of the things I remember from your application, which I loved, was um, you said you had worked on a few successful but profitless ventures. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yes. Um, yeah, I basically the first one that I was talking about was my online magazine, um, which I created um, with no intention of making any money. I was putting my own money into it um, happily uh, because I wanted to see, um, I wanted there to be a new and unconventional experimental kind of format for me to exhibit um, the work of artists and writers around the world. Um, and so I, I, however, it was not a nonprofit. <laughs> um, it was strictly a passion project slash money suck um, <laughs> that I, uh, and, and the next one that I was talking about was similarly a passion project um, that we had considered becoming a nonprofit. This was the St. Louis Small Press Expo, um, which was an annual event where we were showcasing, celebrating independent publishers um, in the public library in St. Louis. And uh, we made enough money for it to be sustainable, but it wasn't, we weren't making any so tell, I remember from one of your interviews, you were talking about how when you were at WashU in St. Louis, you were in the art school, but you decided that you wanted to wander over to the Entrepreneurship Center because you were concerned about like, how am I going to be able to turn these passions and art into something that I can sustain myself over? I believe the answer was not a very positive one, and it actually right. led to a bunch of subsequent things. So tell yeah, us about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was studying fine art um, in school, and I knew from when I was in high school even that I wanted eventually to have my own art and literary magazine. Um, and when I was a senior in college, I had learned that there was an entrepreneurship center on campus. Um, it's unfortunate that it took me until senior year to know that, but um, one of my friends had won a competition, so I became aware of it. Um, and I had been talking to people about, you know, I want to have a magazine, but I want to have a co-founder. I want I want to work with somebody else on it um, to kind of 
use as a sounding board and kind of to help make decisions and such. Um, and all of my friends reacted positively, but they said that they would definitely submit to the magazine, but um, none of them wanted to be part of running it. So I went to the Entrepreneurship Center thinking that if anyone could help me, it's them. You, may, you know, find a founder or help me figure out how to do it without a founder, how to just all the all the steps to making it happen. And um, I walked in the door and I remember uh, just going up to the front desk and saying, you know, this this is, I want to have a magazine and I don't know what to do, help me. Uh, and they basically uh, turned me away, said, you know, this, we, we have nothing for you. Uh, it was not a uh, clear idea. It wasn't a scalable um, tech idea, you know, um, and it wasn't like ready for any of their competitions and such. So I was disappointed and I left. And uh, after graduation, eventually I, I just made it happen. I started it by myself and um, found people uh, would kind of could flock to that after it was created. So I didn't have to do it alone for long. But um, uh, eventually I... Um, in, in trying to support myself financially, uh, I was still trying to find other jobs. And um, there was a position available at the Entrepreneurship Center at WashU where I had been turned away. Um, and, uh, and so I applied to that. And part of what I was saying about uh, why I wanted to be there is because I felt like it wasn't um, doing what it, everything it could for the students. Um, considering that I had been a student that was seeking it out and did not get anything out of it. So um, I got hired actually to be the office coordinator, which is a pretty boring administrative job. Um, and I was capable of doing these logistical aspects of it um, because when I had my magazine, I was running like every aspect of the business. And so I was able to convinced them that I could do it, but it was miserable. And um, and I was able to uh, convince my boss to give me like uh, the chance to try and start a creative entrepreneurship program um, and try to do programming that was meant to engage um, art and humanities students in the center. Um, because I believed that people in those fields uh, are m maybe more in need of entrepreneurship um, as a means to sustain their interests than um, people in the more like science and engineering and business fields. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm really proud of everything that I was able to build. We we had um, a freelance boot camp that I designed, and a we did a creator's gallery, which was uh, intended to bring uh, attention to the creativity and innovation from all uh, all types of people from all the seven schools at WashU um, and have them all shown side by side. Um, and um, both of those programs have continued since I left, which I'm very proud of. Um, but yeah, I really loved, I, I, I had a... Um, 
a kind a kind of occasional um I was open to meetings with people from those schools whenever someone came to the center, someone who had been like me when I was in college, instead of turning them away, they would turn them to me, which was really gratifying. So talk us through, so you had been working at this center, you start the Small Press Expo, which sounds like at least the third thing you've talked about in the first five minutes of this podcast that you've started, um, which I think is one of the reasons we brought you in. So tell us, talk us a little bit about the Small Press Expo, and it sounds like that's still living today, but mm-hmm. under a little bit different form. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually was um, was not one of the founders of the expo, um, but I was uh, working as an intern for an art and literary magazine um, because I wanted to learn how to run my own, um, and I was working directly with the founder and editor in chief of that, who had started meeting with these other independent publishers in St. Louis um, to talk about starting something that would celebrate. And bring kind of a community around um, the like micro publishing world, um, and uh, and she asked me to come and help them with that as an intern, uh, aka social media uh, millennial person, <laughs> um, which was. Uh, again, not necessarily the thing that I enjoyed doing the most, but I was active in the meetings and I really loved what they were working on. And so I kind of quickly like grew out of that position and became one of the organizers. Um, And uh, that we had our first event in 2014. And it was, uh, it was kind of, it was like a runaway success. We had, we had 40 uh, something vendors, people who had their own publishing projects, um, and that could have been uh, an art and literary magazine, um, a a small publishing company for novels or memoirs, um, or comic book uh, artists as well um, as uh, zine makers, uh, which I. I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, um, but yeah, it, we got a lot of uh, press and it was really, really exciting in the community. Um, and so the next year we were able to double the size of the event. Um, we were able to do um, the main event in the St. Louis Public Library downtown in their grand ballroom, which is a very beautiful space. Um, and we were able to do a little bit of programming um, in addition to just having the expo event. Um, in the third year, we got uh, um, asked, we, we were offered a sponsorship for additional events, uh, a kickoff event at the Pulitzer Arts Foundation. Um, and so there we started collaborating with, uh, with the, their um, programming and curation team. Um, and yeah, it, it basically just uh, snowballed into something that became a part of the fabric of the St. Louis creative scene. Um, and after, uh, when we began organizing it, uh, the fifth event, um, the six of us who were working on it, um, we were not paying ourselves. 
And we had all been working elsewhere to make sure that we could survive uh, in life. Um, and and we were all burning out, even though this was really exciting and we loved what was going on um, with it. And there had been, we there had started to be spinoff events that people were creating. Um, and it, it was beginning to get uh, competitive because we had limited space um, and it was becoming better known across the country, which was really cool. Um, so we were able to kind of like, uh, you know, curate the show um, more and more each year. And um, yeah, we we basically, we were sad, but we had to announce to the public that we were not going to be continuing it uh, in the future. Um, however, we we knew how important it was to the community. So we added that if anyone is interested in picking it up, we are open to sharing everything we know, to sharing our entire process. Um, and so we we created a kind of um, succession plan for people who are interested to come meet each other, see how they work together and um, and tell them like all the all the less glamorous aspects of it and see if they were really interested. And and it was, uh, it's amazing. We actually did find another group who is, who we passed the stapler over to them. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and they're going to be running the next event. And I'm excited to see um, how that looks. And it's, yeah, it's really um, amazing to have been part of building something that became so important to the community that there are people in it who stepped up and wanted to take it um, forward. So tell us how and how and why you end up in Infanti six months ago. Uh, yeah, it was it was actually really perfect timing um, in my life. Um, I I had left the entrepreneurship center um, in January last year. Um, to start working at a um, a tech startup, um, and that did not work out. Um, so I had been kind of uh, looking for my next project when uh, when you Dustin reached out to me on LinkedIn and told me about Invanti, and um, and the first thing that really struck me was how uh, the the problem first. Um, approach and the uh, kind of uh, investing in the person and helping take them through the steps to to coming up with the business that's that they are uniquely positioned to run. All of these things were kind of like uh, huge, hugely interesting to me as I was building the kind of creative entrepreneurship program at WashU. Um, and and so it, it was kind of speaking straight to this uh, place in me that had been trying really hard to convince other people that this is what we should be doing, that we shouldn't only be helping people who have ideas. We should be um, helping foster the people who have, uh, who have what it takes to be entrepreneurs. Um, as I've mentioned to you guys before, uh, Artists are entrepreneurs. Um, they just don't call themselves that all the time. But it takes the the same like uh, 
it, 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 it's not even that they are like the entrepreneurial type. In order to be an artist, you are an entrepreneur. Um, so, so yeah, I, I was really interested in um, the. I was so happy to see that there was somebody out there who was taking that approach seriously. And um, I, as I had had these profitless ventures, um, I I knew that I was interested in being um, a an entrepreneur and um, being able to kind of make all the calls and do the things that I believed were um, best for the company I was working with. Um, so I des- I figured that what Invanti had to offer, this, this was, if I did Invanti, it would be giving myself my best shot at being um, a successful entrepreneur and doing something really big that I would have a, a harder time doing without the incubation period and you know the the support system that's here. So I it was it was just pretty perfect. So tell us now about your first couple weeks at Invanti. So you arrive. Um, we had kind of a whirlwind first week. You met a lot of people, and then you started working on a few different problems, kind of in parallel. So tell us, kind of, what was going through your head during that that time, what you were working on. Yeah. So um, in the very beginning of Advanti, um, I was I was really interested in, um, and there were a few different things that I was interested in. I was looking at uh, healthcare costs um and uh and I, I was interested in this in kind of the entrepreneur who um was who started something uh for the passion of it and maybe started something by themselves but um it wasn't a uh solo solopreneurial venture it required like growth of a team to sustain um so, um, so I was interested in that kind of uh, helping the business owner who is um, kind of accidentally a, a business person um, and helping find their first hire, helping find the right person for their first hire because it can be, um, I mean, that's a critical decision um, early in a business and, um, and figuring out how to... Um, improve the lives of the people who work in those kinds of businesses because those are, uh, I I think that it's, those are really inspiring businesses and um, really important to the American economy and, uh, and the people who work for them should be able to have a, a wonderful life that they would uh, maybe be able to have when working for like a larger corporation um, so yeah, so the healthcare was kind of, uh, I know that the cost of healthcare can be prohibitive in, um, offering, uh, employees of these really small businesses, um, a benefits package. Um, and so all of the different things I was looking at, including like figuring out who is that first hire profile, how do you find the person that's going to be, um, who's going to be dedicated and uh, and then how do you find uh, an affordable way to support 
that person. Um, that all kind of was revolving around the same type of, uh, same, you know, type of person. Um, and I was, I was also interested in uh, the, I kept on hearing people saying, I just, I just need a clone. I just need to clone myself. Um, so that was something that I was really interested in for a while. Um, it, and that is a, a tricky thing to try to build a business of without actually being able to clone people. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a, so you went down a lot of different rabbit holes, especially in the hiring process. And right before, I guess it was right before Christmas, you kind of made a lot of headway really quickly, like two weeks or so, on this idea of um, helping people do working interviews easier. So tell us a little bit about that and then how that quickly changed when, when you went home for, for the break. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, when I when I'm talking about finding the right hire, the right first hire, um, that kind of led to, well, the best way to really know if someone's going to work out is to see them in action, um, and so a lot of a lot of businesses um, will uh, will will try to conduct working interviews, which is when a candidate comes in and actually does the job that they are are applying to do. Um, so that they can be assessed, you know, based on their actual abilities. Um, and I learned that the way that people, uh, the way that many small businesses go about that is actually um, not fully compliant with tax and labor laws. Um, so I found a pretty clear opportunity to start something that would help make it easier for um, small businesses to compliantly conduct working interviews. Um, and I found the the entry market um, that had kind of a clear path to um, customer acquisition and, and all that um, in kind of the healthcare industries. Um, so just before I went home for the holidays, um, I was... I, I was starting to work on this business that was going to start off by helping um, de dental dental practices um, with wor working interviews. And how did you end up with dental practices as the? Oh, you you <laughs> want to hear about my medical history? Um, <laughs> Not yeah. deeply, just the, just the part that ties to the dental. Yeah, um, that's right. So. Uh, I, I have overcome some hurdles at Invanti. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, early on, I um, uh, broke a tooth and had to get a root canal, um, which is not the most affordable procedure uh, when you're on a monthly stipend, um, such as the one that Invanti generously provides us. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I, I was, I remember when I was uh, going in for the actual procedure and I had um, the nitrous oxide mask on, um, I, I was making small talk with the dent dentist and the, and the dental hygienist and uh, they were asking me like why I'm in South Bend and everything and I was talking about Invanti and how I'm work like trying to look at um, hiring challenges for small businesses, and uh, and they 
laughed and said, oh, we could talk to you about that. <laughs> and I was like, in my uh, state of, um, you know, ecstasy, or <laughs> like, I, you know, uh, this kind of drugged out um, laughing gas state, I I was like, oh my gosh, can we please have an interview for real though? Like, when can I talk to you? And um, and he, the dentist gave me his email address and we set something up uh, for the following week, the day before my follow-up procedure when I would get the crown. So, um, so yeah, we, we had like a lunch meeting and that's where I um, kind of got the first uh, insights into that market opportunity. Um, so yeah, that, that would have been a funny founding story that I came up with it while high on nitrous oxide in the, in the dentist chair. <laughs> so, so in fact, it's not the founding story. So, so what happened when you went home for Christmas? Right, break? right. So, so when I went home for Christmas, I, um, I was working on, the, on creating a one-pager. I was working on creating an, an ad to test like my customer acquisition strategy. And, um, and I, I found myself struggling to um, motivate myself to work on it. And, and that's something that is um, not difficult to motivate, my, motivate myself to work on. Personally, I really enjoy um, making um, communications design and communications type things. That's kind of what my job was at the startup that, that I was at before. Um, and uh, But I just found when I, I was having a hard time wanting to work on it. And then when I went to talk to people at... Um, holiday gatherings, um, and I would say, "Oh, I'm working on a solution to help dentists um, make good hiring decisions." I, uh, I just had there was no passion behind it, and people actually looked at me like, "Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, where did this come from?" Because I thought you were all about this creative world, and uh, and now you're just helping and I was like well I mean eventually it could maybe help the people that I'm talking about because like I was saying earlier the the individual um solopreneur turned you know manager of a business um would also eventually benefit from being able to see people in action but it was so far down the line and I just realized like am I really going to be able to post Inventi, sit down every single day and try to talk to, to dentists and sell them this product where I am required to figure out all the ins and outs of like, you know, tax and labor laws. And it all just sounded so boring. <laughs> um, and I hope Kira's not listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Kira yeah. can start that as a side business <laughs> tour. To yeah. yeah, one one person's uh, misery is another person's joy, I would, <laughs> and that is not it is not my joy to do to do that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I basically, I realized that what people thought of me for, I I got a, a couple of emails also while I was I got a call and an email while I was over uh, home for the break, both of which uh, were kind of really excited to talk to me about the work that I've done in the past or the work that I might be able to do in the future because of this um, uh, 
because of the passion that I have for this kind of more creative side of uh, entrepreneurship. And it, I just realized that this is not me and it may be a clear opportunity um, to a profitable business. Um, and, but yeah, one of the things I was telling myself was, well, if I just make this successful, if I can make some money off of this, then I'll be in a good position to start my dream job. And then I thought, okay, well, right now I am in this program where I have the resources and the people um, who can support me as I really try to tackle something complicated. And I, I don't have any dependents. Um, I'm pretty free. So, so this is really the time that I can take that kind of risk. And if I don't, if I wanted to just get a stable income, I could go get a job somewhere um, instead of trying to build a company to give myself a stable income. Um, so yeah, I came back from the break and sat down with the two of you, Dustin and Maria, and said, I don't think I can continue working on this. We've got two months left and I have to start from the beginning again. Um, but... And I was really nervous about that. But the next morning when I woke up, I I was just, I felt so relieved and at peace and I knew it was the right decision. And I'm so happy that I made that decision now. So what are you working on now? We can edit, Christy. Thanks for saying that. Um, <laughs> because now we have to edit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or not. <laughs> Don't do that to me, Dustin. <laughs> um, what am I working on now? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we've we've got two weeks left of Invanti. And when I came back and talked to Dustin and Maria about, um, uh, about the fact that I did not want to keep working on the project I was working on, um, we had a great conversation. We, I, we kind of paused and said, okay, who... Am I, who do I really care about and who will I really be driven to do whatever it takes to help? And, um, and I kind of looked back on, uh, the work that I had done that was never, that was not required of me to do, such as making the magazine, working on the small press expo and, uh, and starting this creative, entrepreneurship initiative. Um, and uh, I, I realized I wanted to help people like me <laughs> to be able to survive and have fulfilling lives. So yeah, I, I wanted to create, a, I, I basically was imagining what is the dream world. Uh, and in the dream world, uh, people who have passion projects that have uh, such an impact on their community, um, are, they would be able to focus all their time and energy on making that project the best it can be and last as long as it should. And and when people are working on things that they really care about, that they're really good at and that really help people, um, not only are they happier, but the, I mean, if, if you look at... Um, you know, human progress over time. Like that's the kind of thing that really moves um, the needle forward on uh, cultural evolution. <laughs> so, 
yeah, I, this is all this was all my fantasy world, you know. And I thought if I could start a business that made that possible, like I would, I would be very happy about that. I would be really proud, and I would be um, more than motivated to go to work every day and continue making that happen. So, yeah, basically, what I want to do, I want I want to have. Um, I figured out that I can focus on um, taking those people who have these kinds of projects. I I could incubate them and their project for six months. Uh, I could pay them to work on it. I would like to pay them enough so that they have housing, healthcare, basically peace of mind so that they're not um, distracted uh, or at risk of burnout. Um, and they can there focus all of their time and energy on uh, doing the thing that is really, in the grand scheme of things, much bigger than one job, um, much bigger than uh, the source of a paycheck. Um, but that has like a grander, a greater impact on society as a whole. <laughs> and I, and I could do that without, without hurting anybody. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, the customer, <laughs> this is the, the tricky thing that makes Inbanti so important to me. Um, those profitless ventures that I had were profitless because I didn't want to charge anybody because I didn't want, I didn't see um, a a pain uh, that somebody would comfortably pay to to solve, um, and coming at at this issue from a an economic development lens and from a small business challenges lens. Um, and being here in South Bend, where um, for a long time there was a, an issue of uh, brain drain and uh, net negative uh, population um, changes, which has re- recently begun to turn around because of the work of uh, Mayor Pete and a lot and the people like Dustin Maria. Jacob, Helen, every, everyone in South Bend who's committed to m- making it uh, a great place to be. Um, but seeing those challenges uh, from the business owner's perspective um, and representing someone who might be considered employable, uh, my myself, I'm talking about myself, um, <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I, I realized that I want to be in a place where something like the St. Louis Small Press Expo is happening. And, and I want, and I think it's tragic if it, if it fails because of burnout of the organizers. Um, I want to be in a place where, uh, the creative activities that generate so much cultural value are, um, supported and encouraged um, and 
and I want to be in a place where things are happening. So I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, people come to a city for the job, but stay for the culture and for the things that are going on in the city around them. Um, and so it is a clear, intelligent business decision <laughs> to invest in the city that a business in which a business operates um, because that's what's going to attract and keep the people who make the, that business thrive. So to answer your question, Dustin, the business that I'm working on um, is a business that fosters the creation of cultural experiences um, and such as the St. Louis Small Press Expo, which enrich the lives of uh, employees um, of a company and contribute to their sense of belonging in their community so they thrive at work. And what's great about what I get to do with that is um, I'm selling the concept of there's always going to be cool, interesting, unique things going on in the city um, that your employees can uh, can enjoy or engage with in however they choose, um, which is going to make them want to continue to live here. Um, so, and and I get to uh, pay people and pay myself to just do that the work that they love to do and that they're great at that um, makes those amazing uh, community communities happen. Yeah, something that I love about this uh, is that it is very complicated. It's a kind of business that we like to to start here. Um, but something else that I really love about it is the alignment. So you obviously have deep domain expertise and are very passionate about helping the kind of people who give other creators opportunities to thrive. And so then what's really fun for us and fun to have seen you work through over the past couple of weeks is this puzzle of like, can I build a company around doing that? Because we can be passionate about doing it and it's a problem we can all agree needs to be solved. But the puzzle of, can I build a business that does this is really interesting. And I think what you landed on is like, there are people who care about making cities the kind of places where there's interesting, cool things happening. Um, who There's people who care about that and would be willing to pay for that to happen who are a different group than the people who are essential for creating those things that happen. So building a business that allows you to both enable the creation of those things, but then also capture from another group the value that's being created by doing that um, is really fun for us to be able to watch and incredible how quickly it's come together in the past, I would say like two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah. beautifully said, Maria. Yeah, I think it's interesting too, because if you look at like our region <clears throat> in Northern Indiana, like Southwest Michigan, everybody talks about Art Prize, which is a big mm -hmm. thing that happens up in Grand Rapids uh, every year and how much how much it brings to that city because it's not just like it brings economic value people go out people you know like literally travel to go there they eat they do all those things in downtown Grand Rapids that are valuable from an economic development perspective but it also brings a lot of energy to the city it brings new people to the city and i think i think you're finding this like really way to say even though it sounds complicated it's actually really simple it's people want to be in a place where they like 
to to live mm -hmm. and they want when they leave work they want interesting things to do mm -hmm. and so it seems aligned to gather the businesses that employ those people and say how do we make sure that there's always interesting things to do and new things to do and and that it evolves um, with time so it doesn't get stagnant right and I think that's like yeah it's wild yeah. um, because it like busts through a bunch I think a bunch of assumptions where people would say oh no 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 that's the arts like you should be a nonprofit. Right. Or you should go apply for grants to do that because I mean, it's nice, but you know, there's no business there. When in fact, like, there's a very strong business case to do it. Yes. Yep. So the pro the pain, the very real pain that business owners feel is they cannot uh, keep their highly skilled employees because those employees want to go to a place where there are cool things going on. Um, and they don't believe that this is a place like that. Meanwhile, there are such cool things going on in South Bend. Um, and how do we how do we connect how do we connect those and how do we ensure that there's always mm -hmm. more things going on in South Bend? And yeah, what I what I love about it is how being an organizer of creative opportunities. Um, feels like a constant uphill battle. It feels like you are constantly uh it, it just it feels like you're constantly uh struggling to be valued by anyone who uh has money. <laughs> um and in reality, it, it's such a complicated kind of um position to be in because on one hand, you feel, you see and feel the impact that you're making on the people who are really engaged with what you're doing and who are so happy that it's happening. But at the same time, you feel like nobody cares that it's happening. And if it's going to happen, it has to entirely be on me. And I have to entirely, I have to dedicate, you know, 80% of my energy on surviving, working other jobs, um, because I care about the people that I'm helping with this project. And that just does not make sense. Those people are people who work, who have jobs as well. Um, and if they had nothing to do and nothing that made them feel like they belonged in the community, all they have is work. And that's not enough. <laughs> so last question we've been asking people, Christy, is tell us a little bit about what you've learned since being in Vanti. And, and maybe one way to put it would be, what would you tell Christy six to nine months ago before she made the decision to come? Well, I think some of the most important lessons that I've learned here um, are really about myself. Um, I've learned that it is more important than I realized to have a um, some kind of a routine. Um, I've gotten this freedom to have uh, any kind of schedule that I want. And with that freedom, I've learned what constraints I need to have. So I've learned what I need to do to continue to be productive when I'm gone. 
Um, so it was great that I got to learn that working from home actually isn't as productive for me as working in a place with people who care to see me succeed. Um, and I don't have to, uh, you know, waste time when I'm not getting a stipend figuring that out <laughs> later on. Um, and I learned about, uh, I learned a lot about feedback and I'm surprised, I'm a little surprised at how much I had to learn about feedback considering I was an art major um, and a writing. I, I, I always considered feedback to be one of the things that, you know, I got this. And, um, but I, but I feel uh, like I've really learned a lot about not only how to give um, actually helpful, meaningful feedback, but how to um, parse the feedback I'm receiving for what um, is coming out of, uh, coming from a, an expert opinion kind of perspective versus coming from an assumption that someone is making about another person. Um, and I've learned, you know, how important it is to just to to notice the difference and then uh, figure out, okay, who is the expert and go straight to the source um, because that's the only way you're going to make progress is not by assuming and guessing, but by talking to the person who experiences uh, the, the problem. Um, and finally, I learned uh, to have a little bit more confidence in my own instincts, to trust my intuition. Um, I never really considered myself to have deep industry knowledge of anything because I've always been so open to doing new things and um, so interested in being able to do all aspects of something. Um, and with, uh, through conversations, I've kind of uh, found that just the fact of my uh, deep-rooted passion uh, for this um, kind of organizer of opportunities for creative people, um, just from the fact that I've been innately driven to do things like that and uh, and therefore deeply understand the problems around it, um, that is actually a valuable uh, and unique thing that I have to offer. Um, and so I, I find, I feel that I've finally like, I've finally found a, um, an opportunity to be an entrepreneur that only I could do. And I can feel confident in that fact and feel, uh, and no longer feel like an imposter, which I think is, a, is another thing that people like me, um, feel a lot is imposter syndrome. Um, so I think that has been extremely valuable that I can trust my expertise in an area that is sort of soft, nebulous, uh, um, 
and confusing and complicated, but I can trust that I get it. Awesome. It's a great way to, to close out here, Christy. Thanks for spending time with us. That concludes episode five of the Invanti Cohort 2 podcast. Thank you.